Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. Hello friends, it's me, your hero, Corbin David Albaugh, here to bring you the greatest tunes of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and I am bringing you part two of my lovely conversation that I had with Mona Magno, lovely musician, artist, community organizer, all-around person who does oh so many things. We're going to be bringing you part two of that conversation right now. We are back in the studio with Mona Magno talking about life, the universe, music, art, everything. And now it's time, because it is Corbin versus the world, to get a little bit political on this show. I want to talk a little bit about uh, being a creator, being an artist in the age of coronavirus, in the age of all of this civil and political upheaval that we are in right now. This is such a broadside question, but how have the last few months affected you as, as an artist, just professionally? And- the COVID era has been a roller coaster it has been jedi mind training <laughs> um and i've grown stronger emotionally mentally uh physically through the process but there've been low moments lonely moments uh creative moments i would say Probably the biggest difficulty is moving from teaching audio production in person to audio production online. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Did you have to teach yourself how to, how to zoom too? Um, no, I just, it felt like all of a sudden I turned into a YouTuber. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That, yeah, I've been, I've been teaching theater classes online for the past couple months and it's definitely felt like, Hey kids, how's it going? You know, and it's, it's very... It's very strange. Yeah, so that's been difficult, but kind of just had to embrace, like, you got all this time, all this space, like, just create art. And that really, we've been working a lot with Free Music for Free People projects, whether that's with the label or with Free People TV or um, with this new publication, The Denver Underground, and wrote a lot of music did a few different cleanses, did like a meditation uh, series. It's been overall, like I'm relatively grateful for the time, but there, yeah, I think everyone had some difficult moments. Not being able to see my family was, has been difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, But in general, very potent time to point and shoot in any direction like oh i want to create music go and do that and i live in a pretty beautiful house so it's like eh, it's not that bad <laughs> it's all good and that is one of the the silver linings of of the covid era is that it's allowing a lot of us artists to turn inward and really examine you know not only you know not only our role in in society but also you know what what more can we do and what how much further can i take what i'm doing right now so in that vein you know it has been a good thing definitely 
How long have you been podcasting? Probably two years now. Um, been working with the My Youth on Record podcast and producing our our video podcast segments with Free People TV for the past year. Mm-hmm. So, in addition to you know the COVID era, obviously the arguably bigger news and the bigger movement going on right now is, um, you know, the protest movement, the Black Lives Matter movement resurgence in America. And you were able to take part in the protests uh, that have been going on in Denver for a while now. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your experiences with that. I would love to. It's been such a ride and very inspiring in general. Being the young explorative, adventurous person that I was as a teenager, I got into some of the Occupy Denver stuff when I was like 13, 14 years old. Mm-hmm. And and a few other protests in the years after, but felt super discouraged. Like, there, no one's doing anything. Protesting doesn't do anything. Yeah, because that was that was around the Occupy Wall Street era, where yeah. it was it was a whole lot of people that were like, "We're angry, but we don't necessarily <laughs> have a plan or a or a specific ethos just yet." Yeah, I remember watching someone give a speech on the Capitol, and they're like, "Screw the corporations," and and everyone's like, ah, you know, feeling it. And I look at them, and they're wearing like Nike and Vans and they're just wearing all of these brands and I'm like yo dude like maybe switch out your gear if you're gonna be because you are representing them like it doesn't matter what you say you purchased that item or you know someone did and that's what's keeping them going and so very just disconnected from protesting and um kind of had a, a chip on my shoulder and my friend Cassidy Bacon from the whimsy of things and she's done all kinds of different music in Denver she hit me up we were talking and she's like I, I'm on the fence if I want to go to the protests and I was like well do you have a comrade like you shouldn't go if you don't and so I ended up going down there with her and it was the most probably one of the most intense nights of my entire life like we get there at 8 30 and at this point the protesters who were on the capitol had already been gassed and like shot with the mace pellets and jesus um you know flashbang and they were so they weren't on the capitol anymore and like they were kind of being patrolled by these swat uh people and we get there and we're already in a war zone and that night we didn't we get there at 8.30 and I don't leave till like 1. And we are, in those hours, I'm like witnessing pure anarchy. And I, to me, that was very thrilling. And um, I, I love to kind of be a historian uh, through experience. And so we saw just complete destruction of downtown, people dumpster fires. Um, you know, people just setting fires everywhere, buildings on fires, cars on fires, people breaking cars. It was just like this madness and, and like running from 
police as they are as we're just on the side of the road you know and, and then like they roll up and shoot towards us just this kind of like playing cops and robbers it was it, everything it seemed intense but like yeah maybe you get maced or maybe you get one of the paintballs or the pepper balls like you get hit by one of them but it it didn't feel unsafe um that's interesting yeah for some and it and there was so much going on and that night they had not really had it just kind of like blew up and they didn't the police didn't have their uh it didn't seem like they really had a plan besides just kind of patrol um, yeah what was the overall demeanor that you felt i don't know how if any interaction you had with the police at the time but what was the vibe that you were feeling from them if if any that they were having a lot of fun oh jesus <laughs> yeah that's what it, it was so i don't know i felt like a rogue you yeah know, we talk about like dungeons and dragons like, <laughs> exactly i felt like a rogue mm-hmm. and stealthy and- just like a scene from a movie where everything's coming down and just like all right all the rules are out the window let's go Oh, yeah. I don't know if I'll ever experience anarchy on that level again. And that's why that experience is so rich to me um, and will forever be cherished. It felt like we were all risking our bodies to make a statement. And that led me to like 12 days straight of being on the ground and trying to help and trying to utilize my skills and that was crazy journey of I kind of dove straight in, you know, with my eyes closed and learned a lot about activism. There's so many people that have been doing it for so long, you know, Stephen Brackett from the Flowbots, uh, Susie Q. Smith, people that I work with at Youth on Record. But then we have Elizabeth Epps and we have other leaders like Tay Anderson. And I learned through the process of being involved that though people like the narrative that there's not gatekeeping and activism there very much is and so interesting a lot of people with really good intentions kind of got into some crazy madness crazy conspiracy theories like popped out of nowhere so is there a lot of kind of factionalism almost going on with with the protesters or or how did that develop um there's a long history that a lot of people are out of touch with when it comes to protesting. So even like misogyny, even in the days of the Black Panthers, you know, very black man led and focused. Um, and then we have even history of that in Denver protest communities. And um, so out of the gate, like having some young people just not know about the history and not recognize themselves getting caught up into it and there's been a lot of infiltration that has happened so anytime a red flag comes up the community is very quick to shut it down so even if it's like oh you it's like it looks like a duck shut it down you know if it looks like it's problematic shut it down immediately because we really just want this to flourish so what it seemed like is there were a few people that didn't know that they were being problematic and had great intentions but just didn't have that 
historical context and and thus kind of separated themselves from being able to be a part of the of the bigger movement and to have a voice and and yeah it was super super crazy just seeing you know at one point even i was um someone had accused me for working with the city um because i thought it someone's conspiracy was like ridiculous i'm like they're like we need to see if mayor hancock is doing this you know if he's paying for protesting groups to do stuff and i thought that was hilarious because i'm like well you know we could do a private investigation but i don't think that's what's happening Mm -hmm. um and like if that makes people happy sure but to me it was just hilarious and and that reaction caused you know someone who didn't know me to like to just prove how misinformation can spread you know this person accuses me they're like you're working with the city i see you you're and and i'm like this is so perfect like thank you for showing me just how crazy this can get um and you know think about like working with the city like i think my eventual plan you know the natural trajectory of what my life will look like in 15 20 years i would love to be in a position where i'm advocating on a you know allocating funds or um in general, advocating for the communities that I work with in a bigger way, whether that is public office or some type of public servant position. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to me, I'm like, we do have to have some people on the inside. Absolutely. You know? Well, that, and that's what it's sounding like. You know, it's it sounds like you you're definitely of the opinion that that you can change the the system from the inside, which is, a, to be honest, it's a really refreshing opinion to hear because you hear so much cynicism and so much pessimism where it's like oh there's so much rot you know there's so much rot from the inside that we just need to scrap it all and 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 start over from the beginning and it's really nice to hear you know a viewpoint of of someone who is on the side of the protesters but still saying like yes it's still it's possible to affect change through those traditional avenues Mm, yeah i will clarify that i do consider myself to be more aligned with abolitionist um, approaches when it comes to protesting and when it comes and and not so much an agreement with a lot of reformist approach. So I do, I think that it's kind of like a a blend of the two. Like I do think there are a lot of things that need to be scrapped, Mm -hmm. but um, the process of that, we need to have people in those spaces around those tables where those decisions are being made and that's kind of infiltration from within that I'm interested in. Absolutely. So just to go even further with that, what do you kind of consider the role in an idealized world, in a, in a world where we do start making these reforms? What do you kind of consider the role of the police to be in all of this? Do you think that their role should be much more minimized? You know, what what are your thoughts on that? Definitely much more minimized. Um, I think it's an ego trip. I think it's a lot of people that are it's so many different people mm-hmm. we have moms that are in there because their son may be OD'd and they want to be a part of a, a reform program that helps other young people who have that same problem um and then we have you know ex-vets and we have some 
alt-right people. We have uh, black and brown and Asian people. Um, so there's a lot of people that make up this police force. Uh, I like some of the ideas that I've heard from Candy C. Sabaka on the um, city council in Denver of like community policing. So yeah. people in the community who are anointed by the community and they are monitoring things that have been agreed upon by the community. Um, there's also the STARS program that's happening in Denver, which is when you call 911, your um, call will be filtered between like Domestic violence will go to a uh, counselor, mental health will go to a specific person, fire fighter will go to a specific person, and there will only be certain big situations where a police officer would be deployed. Exactly, and, and I agree with that 110%. I think that the amount of situations where we need someone with a uniform and a gun and pepper spray and all those things to show up are very, very minimal, and we need to be looking into different you know, different professions and different people to be bringing in to be dealing with those situations instead of that particular community. So we're going to, in just a moment, take another musical break and we're going to be hearing some of those artists that are featured on that compilation album. So we're going to do that right now. Here's more tunes. I dissolve in you love plays hard You know the reason why I told you Dealing with the deepest demons I've known I invited you close and decided that was wrong Can you fight fair you don't know Thank you. 
What has been your experience then? Because you've been in the you've been in the Denver area for so long. What has been your experience? Do you do you consider Denver the not just the music scene, but just Denver itself? Do you consider it to be a safe space for marginalized communities for the LGBTQ community? I would say that there is definitely a very progressive city, um, but it's also definitely very white, you know, heteronormative city, and. 
I would say we do have these really beautiful pockets. Capitol Hills is a beautiful, inclusive area, but we are also dealing with the very real issue of gentrification, mm-hmm. which is a huge aspect of, you know, the blanket that is colonization. Um, and with that, space, safe spaces are disappearing. Even, you know, what I had mentioned earlier with Gypsy House mm-hmm. moving, um, that was a hub, you know, for in a safe space. And now we have COVID happening where it's like, Even more of them are probably going to go down as well. Totally. And maybe the home isn't necessarily super safe. So in general, we just have a lack of safe space, um, no places to go. So I would say we do have this progressive vibe. Um, We do have these pockets and and it has it's very presented as very inclusive, um, which, you know, for people that reside within the uh the surface level right that see the tip of the iceberg they're like no i don't see anything wrong here yeah yeah but we do have a really big issue around housing and gentrification um that's that's very real and i think that is creating a lack of safety or you know it's reducing the safety mm-hmm. yeah because you're, you're driving people out of their homes and you're you're creating unsustainable communities and stuff like that so what do you kind of consider the biggest hurdles or i guess the the first and biggest hurdle that that denver specifically uh needs to clear before it can start moving forward with all of these things mm-hmm. i think it's hard to say what like the biggest issue sure. is in general I would love to see some movement around, you know, the ICE detention centers. I think we just need to remove that tragedy from our con- from our state. I would say affordable housing I think would be a great focus of energy. I don't know if that whole stimulus check thing is really like supportive beyond that moment. Um, and so I would love to see potentially some some other programs that are supporting those who are really struggling financially right now due to COVID. Absolutely. I've, I, you know, I've had my own frustrations just watching, you know, watching the stimulus be rolled out. And <clears throat> I remember reading an article a few days ago saying uh, saying that Governor Polis had just uh, passed this comprehensive COVID uh, reform bill, you know, with all of these different relief strategies. And I I was like, okay, cool. Let's go a little bit further. And I was reading into what they were and it was like, okay, you're going to cut insurance premiums by 23%. I don't see how that helps Jared. You know what I mean? And I, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot, there's a lot of band-aid solutions that are being proposed right now. And a lot of superficial, you know, tip of the iceberg, Things that are being proposed, but I think that there's a real lack of uh, motivation by by the people that are in power currently to really affect anything deep and really, you know, game changing right now. There's a lot of work to be done with the, you know, cocktail that is 2020. <laughs> I think that when people are too comfortable, it's like, oh, you want me to move even though I know I should no, I don't, I would prefer not to, or it's, it's, there's less incentive, but now you have all this like uprooted energy and people are like, well, (laughs) 
I guess anywhere we could go and yeah, progress. Um, and so I'm hoping that we really just, um, first foremost, like focus on the black lives matter movement. Yes. There's so much else happening. Indigenous lives, like let's focus on black lives. Let's focus on, you know, the ice detention centers and really understand that moving through those heavy issues are going to help us set the stage for all of these other issues. Um, and I say that because I even had to have a conversation last night with a, a few of my white friends um, who were like, well, yeah, like this, this whole thing just has us thinking about like unity in general and like how we're all just so we need more unity. And I'm like, yes, but... <laughs> more (laughs) (laughs) we finally have this spotlight on a movement that has been so silenced and we're like oh change is happening now let's throw everything else in here and this thing that in general has not been given a lot of amplification then has that amplification taken away because now we're all focused on change in general um and so i think that it's we're all feeling like well, what about these rights? What about these people? What about these injustices that happen? And it's it's like, yes, we're going to get there. Um, but if we dilute everything mm-hmm. with the massiveness that is trying to take it all on at yes. once. Yeah, it's it it's it's a lot. And, you know, there's only you know, it it's a great idea in principle to be able to be like, okay, we're going to make everything equal, but it's like, okay, you need a you need a plan. It needs to be, okay, we need to handle this, then this, then this. Yeah, just definitely feeling very wanting to advocate for people to to let this have its time and to really focus our energy on how we make changes within this movement and not get carried away in everything else and in general noticing like with it's i've been so grateful to have a lot of my white friends talk to me about how they feel and it's so interesting because there have been a lot of growing pains with certain you know communities that are trying to organize around the black lives matter movement that are uh that are like black communities and black leaders and there's been a lot of white people I know that are like, I have all the answers. I have all the resources. I could make this happen. It could be good. And it's kind of like when you have a child and they're learning to eat and it's slow and they might mess up a little bit or spill some food. And there's that parent that's like, oh, like this is going to be faster if I just do it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's but, a really good analogy. Yeah. But then yeah. they never learn. And, you know, you take that experience away. And so there's been a lot of, yes, of course, there's white communities that have it locked down and have the process and the resources and could just totally give it all to this movement. Um, But then we don't have the black community growing in their own systems. Um, And so that's kind of been a lot of conversations that I've had, which is I'm so happy that you're ready but right now we need to put an emphasis on listening. Um, and maybe if you listen and you hear some needs and you collaborate on how that those needs can be filled. Um, and that's been so hard for a lot of my very powerful uh, 
you know, white friends who are like, I just have so much to give and like I could make so and there's like also a hero complex that comes in. Oh, totally. Of like, well, I, you know, can give my information and resources and it's like, I know this is so hard for you. You feel so helpless. But it's gonna be okay. Yeah. And it's important that you listen. And it's important that you for once allow them to lead. Do you feel any kind of any kind of like personal frustration or emotional burnout from time to time just by virtue of of having to kind of, you know, educate them and and almost rein them in to an extent? No, I feel quite happy that they're open to talking about it. And I'm very straightforward. Like I said, my friend last night, he was like, we want to do this event um, and I was like, okay, where? And he was like, you know, at the Capitol. And I was like, okay, well, who's going to be producing it? And he was like, this group of white people. I was like, okay, who's going to be performing? <laughs> who's going to be performing? And he was like, oh, all of these white bands. And I'm like, wah, wah. my dude, <laughs> I know you're not going to like this. It's a bad idea. It's mm-hmm. a bad idea. Like, you can't do that. You can't take up space and then, like, fill the space with whiteness. Like, I even in solidarity, it's just... Not- right. It, it undermines the whole the whole idea behind it. Yeah. And they, you know, he's like, well, we're going to have like huge systems and like, you know, these big s- production. And I'm like, that doesn't matter. I can't be a part of it. I, it's too problematic. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and the intention is there, but it's, it's not your space. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not their, it's not their conversation to make themselves the subject of. Totally. Yeah. Do you find now that, uh, you know, because we are, we're a few weeks removed now from, from the first nights of protest, from the, from the fires and the pepper balls and, and all of that <laughs> delightful stuff. You know, the whole thing going on on social media now is that, you know, the mainstream media, now that there's no, you know, sexy fires and explosions to, to point the cameras at anymore, that they're paying less attention to the movement. Do you feel like the movement is still it's still got that same level of strength and enthusiasm now that, that it did a few weeks ago? Or are you a little worried that it's going to lose steam over the next couple months as we move further and further into November election times? It's hard to say. I do know the the process of producing things. If you want to produce really good content, it takes a few months. And so I do think that we are seeing, even for myself, we have a lot of content that's specifically focused towards the Black Lives Matter movement that's not coming out, you know, till August. Um, and I and I imagine other people who are producing content will have a similar timeline. And so I think for that, we will see this move into the end of the year. Um, beyond that, I would say, yeah, and no, <laughs> you know, I'd say <laughs> yes and no. I think it's it, almost changing form, maybe. Yeah. Would be the way to look at it. My optimistic self says we're here. We're a part like when we look back on, you know, the civil rights movement, I think that we are at the beginning of a lot of people moving and shaking up this system. And it's like this just in the American people are they don't like the system. And so we see we saw that with Bernie, you know, uh, Bernie Sanders. And so I think that the discourse is happening i think that people are being inspired alternatives be presented we there's movement that's happening and so as far as specifically the black lives matter movement 
I'm forever changed by it. And I know a lot of other people who are, and specifically young people. And I don't think that we are going to let the fire die. And if we notice it, I think we'll take it upon ourselves to continue to cause mayhem. Great. That's, <laughs> that is a message of hope I can get behind. And it's so nice. It's so refreshing to hear that to hear that positive energy and to hear that optimism because, you know, like I said earlier, it's, it's really easy to get bogged down in, in cynicism and, and pessimism and, and all of that with, with all of the negative images that we're bombarded with, you know, on a monthly basis. It just feels like ever since, you know, February or March, it just feels like there's been a full frontal assault on, you know, our entire generation's mental state, oh, you totally. know, just constantly keeping us we're terrified for our health. We're terrified for our families. We're terrified for our friends, you know, our communities, all of these things. And we're, it's definitely not that feeling of comfort that we, that we had a year ago. But I think that, I think that this is a really, you know, for lack of a better term, I think that this is a really exciting time. And I think a lot of positive change can come out of it because so many people are, are not only, you know, looking around at one another and realizing we're all on the same page, but we're all thinking, okay, you know, it's just like you, you said, like the cops, you know, during that, it's like, they didn't know what they were doing. It was like, wow, we actually do have the power. We, we can affect change because the people that are in charge are people just like we are. They're disorganized, just like we are. They just have uniforms and paperwork, you know, and we can, we can create our own systems and we can, we can really affect things for if, if we keep at it. Yeah. And we have this amazing thing with the internet and with information. And so we have so many people educating themselves and so many resources. And we have Reddit keeping the network alive. Shouts out Reddit. Reddit. <laughs> um, so, so many different resources that really set the stage for us to reclaim our power as people. Absolutely. So, okay, this just sent me on a brainwave. So then do you, do you consider social media a good thing? I would say I see it as a tool. Mm -hmm. And when you utilize that tool for whatever that be, there's specific things that it's going to enhance and other things that it, it might destroy. Yeah. Um, so social media as a way to access information and, and connect with networks, love it. Um, as a distraction, <laughs> as a void of energy or a vacuum of energy. Um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of problematic aspects to it, especially for our young people. You know, being an educator, it's very much like, whoa, this is real. This like addiction, this like fixation. Um, so is a part of that also the fact that our culture lends itself to addiction on top of an addictive device. I think there's a lot of things that play into it. And Absolutely. So I say, yeah, I like social media. And, you know, when I'm teaching a class, I'm not too stoked on social media when my <laughs> students are Snapchatting away. Exactly. Or, or, or checking all, checking all this stuff. I, I just mentioned that because I've been, I've, I've been kind of going back and forth for the past few days. Cause I just, even this morning on Reddit, I saw, you know, the, there's a movement to, to boycott Facebook and I'm sitting here going, you know, I don't really care for, for Mark Zuckerberg, but on the other hand, you know, as a, as a, as a content provider and an artist, you, you almost feel obligated to be plugged into those networks. And totally. so it's like, 
you know, do, do you just cut, cut those social media ties and try and find different, better platforms? Or do you try and take that existing platform and try and use it for good? Yeah. I think it's so open that it, it, you do have people on that spectrum, you know, sharing all kinds of positive stuff or using it for networking. And then you have, you know, someone that's like, this is what I ate for breakfast. You know, <laughs> and you're like, I, I don't know if I needed to see yeah, that. I didn't need to see your workout. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're fit. That's great. Yeah. But I think it's been a huge part of amplifying this movement. I don't know if this movement would be as big if it weren't for the Internet. Absolutely. Just, well, just keeping people connected, people being informed. I remember, God, I can't even remember. It was like 2012 or 2013 when the, when the revolutions were going on in Iran. Uh, I, I was following those. And what was so interesting about that was that all of the, they had a huge media blackout in Iran. And so you couldn't get any actual like mainstream news sources. So that's when Twitter really came into its own was, you know, people were, were posting videos from the streets you know, on Twitter and people were getting all of their information from there. And you were seeing, I, I was watching that play out here, you know, a few, just, you know, a month ago, you know, I'm like, I'm not getting, you know, I tune into CNN. I'm seeing the same video of the police precinct in Minneapolis being burned down. I'm, I'm seeing Don Lemon like shaking his hands, but I'm not learning any new information. I'm not, I'm not getting anything. And I think that social media was, was a really big benefit to have that around where it was like, okay, you're actually finding out what's going on. You're finding out that the police are firing on these protesters, that they're inciting these, that they're inciting this violence and stuff like that. And it, it goes against the narrative that's being pushed to try and dilute the movement or to try and, you know, to try, to try and drive that factionalism. Yeah. Crazy times. Crazy times. But we are surviving and we are persevering and we are creating and we will hopefully, if we don't all blow ourselves up by November, we will move past this and we can build a better society. I think so. And, it, you know, it starts with making those small decisions with yourself. And um, I think we forget that sometimes we focus so much on the external that we forget like, oh, if I'm going to be a leader, I need to sleep, you know, I need to <laughs> cultivate myself. Um, and so I, I definitely want to remind people of that. Yeah. Like, take care of yourself and take care of your people on, yeah. on your scale and take care of those communities, those yeah. communities that you build. And educate yourself and have conversations and listen. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Mona. We, we have most certainly gone over our set time, but that is perfectly fine. Um, learning all about your career, learning all about um, just all this activism and all of the communities that you're involved with. And I hope that people that are listening can kind of take that arrow and see how that they can affect change and how they can be wheels in their own community as well. So thank you so much for being here and thank you for sharing your time. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, friendos, if Chris lets me, I'm going to throw some music on to end this. But otherwise, thank you very much for tuning in, and I will catch you next week. An object Appreciate in motion ya. stays in motion until acted upon by an outside force. force, 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 force.
Hearts race and arms pull. 
See the thing is I know it's easy still I try too hard baby having a tendency to get hung up on the little things well honey as opposed to seeing the bigger picture
This has been a production of NOCO FM.